Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 228 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight. I'm Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my ho-ho... Wow co-host not ho-ho uh I, I guess i just had dessert so maybe that's why that's on the brain adnan ikich at say which way as my co-host uh not how we doing tonight i i see you're in the christmas spirit tonight kevin um apparently no i'm i'm doing very well you know we are trudging along in the off season right now uh it's the off season and it's also drop season so you know let's uh let's let's get into it and let's Continue delivering that sweet content to the people um, indefinitely. Yes, the sweet, sweet draft content. It's going to start coming hot and heavy. Uh, you guys have seen the first two of my Senior Bowl previews uh, that have come out on the site. All of the defensive ones are done. They'll, they're scheduled up through Saturday. I'm working on the offensive ones as we speak. Not you know while we record, but you know after we record, I may go continue to work on that. But it's uh it's coming sooner than you could believe. It, the actual practices will be less than a week away, starting on Tuesday, and the Shrine Bowl starts even sooner than that. And we know that the Falcons take these events very seriously, particularly the Senior Bowl, where they've drafted ten players from the Senior Bowl in the last two drafts. Uh, so they put a lot of value in these All Star games. Um, they will have coaching representation at each of them this year. The entire Falcons coaching staff will be. At the Shrine Bowl, uh, whereas at the Senior Bowl, Charles London will be the offensive coordinator for one of the teams. And, of course, the scouting staff will be there as well. So a lot of Falcons representation at these events. We're also going to be talking about the defensive coordinator search because we did get an interesting tidbit uh, today about a player, not a player, former player, but... uh, a coach, uh, a coach that is maybe going to enter the picture late, depending on what the Carolina Panthers decide to do. And that's where we'll start off. Uh, also give you guys, for those that didn't listen to yesterday's show, an update on the uh, future of the podcast, what's going on there, give you some details on that. Uh, but let's get to some some Steve Wilkes talk here, Adnan. Uh Sort of a name that I think we bounced around in the Falcoholic Discord a little bit as maybe an option if the Falcons were to wait it out and see if the Panthers go in a different direction at head coach. It's starting to seem more and more likely that the Panthers are either going to go at, like go after a Frank Reich. That seems to be the the prevailing theory there and sort of spurn Wilkes, who by all accounts, the fans and the players want Wilkes to be the permanent head coach. So... Uh, things have certainly changed there with the with the Panthers, and if Steve Wilkes were to not be in Carolina, well, that would make him one of the most desirable defensive coordinators 
on the market. And according to a report from a, a Panthers radio reporter, um, I apologize, I don't remember her name right off the top of my head. I will look it up in just a second. But the Falcons are, quote, closely monitoring the, the situation with Steve Wilkes, uh, presumably to potentially swoop in and make him their defensive coordinator if he were to shake loose. How do you feel about uh, the possibility of Steve Wilkes getting getting uh, here to Atlanta to give some uh, get a little bit of revenge, perhaps, on his old team? Uh, I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the idea. So, you know, we talked about the the big three in uh, in the defensive coordinator search last last week as a uh, as we're coining coining it right now in uh, Ejiro Avero from from Denver, Vic Fangio who is working as a consultant uh, at the moment and um uh remind me remind me one more time Steelers linebackers coach oh Brian Flores yeah Flores Flores na- name slipped my mind um Brian Flores um I would have been thrilled with any of those three I still will be absolutely thrilled with with any of those three names um Wilkes could turn this into a big four type thing because he has the credentials. He for sure deserves to remain the head coach of, uh, of the Carolina Panthers after the job that he did following rules um, dismissal this past season. Uh, he, he not only inherited what was essentially a dumpster fire of, of a team, but he inherited a dumpster fire of a team that had also just lost its best player in Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, they just lost their offensive coordinator in in Joe Brady. Uh, and he did as good of a job as anyone could have expected. Like, he almost led that team to the most unlikely division titles. Um, you know, they came very close to beating the Buccaneers in the second to last week to really give themselves a chance for that division. Uh, they would have essentially won it with a win against New Orleans in the season finale. But Wilkes did a phenomenal job. Um, I can see why Carolina, you know, sort of doesn't want to stick with him. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure ownership, David Tepper, wants an exciting name. They want a, a brand uh, a brand new voice, which, I mean, I understand. But, you know, Wilkes was fantastic with Carolina. Uh, and I think that he will be a fantastic defensive coordinator if Atlanta, you know, can persuade him to uh, join uh, join the team in, in that role. Um, I'm pretty sure that Ar- uh, Arthur Blank would not have any issues throwing throwing a bit of a bag at him. I think that the Falcons will spare no expense uh, for this defensive coordinator position. Uh, as evidenced by by the names, by the candidates they're interviewing. I'm pretty sure Wilkes will have some head coaching interviews as well. Uh, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, he, he'll likely need to uh, work his way there as a defensive coordinator for at least another season. Uh, he's a prime name. The Falcons have already actually even interviewed one of his assistants and in, in, uh, in Al Holcomb, who was the DB's coach for Carolina this past season uh, for that vacant defensive coordinator role. You know, Holcomb could come over to Atlanta in, in the same role he was with in, in Carolina as well, uh, coaching the coaching the secondary with Wilkes. I'd be all for it. Uh, I love I love the idea, uh, the idea of bringing him in as one of those big four candidates. 
And, you know, we mentioned it with uh, a gyro uh, last week that, and, uh, excuse me, we mentioned it with a gyro last week that even if Wilkes ends up being uh, a head coaching candidate, even if he's not here long-term, the way that we are expecting Vic Fangio to be in a possible defensive coordinator role uh, long-term, the way that someone like a Dick LeBeau was in Pittsburgh, then the Falcons will still benefit from getting those two third-round picks uh, for helping to promote a minority candidate to that head coaching role in the future. So I look at it as a win-win, and I'm I'm here for it. You know, bring them in. Bring them in as I think this would be one of the four home run hires that the team could make. Yeah, I agree. I, I would vault Steve Wilkes up near the top of my defensive coordinator rankings if he were to come available. And the the reason it's interesting is because he's technically not under contract with the Panthers after this year. Um, so he's not, he, the Panthers can't necessarily prevent him from leaving if he wanted to leave to take a defensive coordinator job elsewhere. Um, you know, it, it may be that if they do go with the Frank Reich, that Reich is happy to keep Wilkes as defensive coordinator, but would Wilkes want to stay in Carolina with, you know, I think, think believing that he's sort of proven himself to be a head essentially coach. Essentially yeah. Right. After he did a great job. And um, I, I do wonder if, if the relationship there is rep is repairable. If the, if he's spurned by the Panthers in this coaching hire, would he consider just going back to be the defensive coordinator again? I don't know. Um, we don't know what, what that's like. We don't have the details, but uh, I would, I would think it's at least partially, uh, a chance that, that Wilkes might not want to go back to Carolina if he's not the head coach. So there's a decent shot of him sort of changing gears and coming to Atlanta. I do think he'll have other suitors, but as, as you add more candidates to this pool, like Brian Flores is one of the hottest names. Of course, we've talked a lot about him, Vic Fangio as well. Now it seems like maybe Sean Payton, maybe will not take a, take a coaching job this cycle, which leaves Vic Fangio out there. Um, you know, those guys are going to be hotly chased by, by every single team with a defensive coordinator need. And that, that could include the 49ers if D'Amico Ryans gets a head coaching job. It could include the Eagles if Jonathan Gannon gets a head coaching job. It could include, uh, you know, other guys as well, depending on what happens. Um, so we'll see where these guys end up. But I do think that uh, Wilkes would, would get to the top of the list. And I think you, you look at the other side of the coin there, which is that maybe, you know, it might be nice for Wilkes if the relationship is strained in Carolina. He might be actually looking to get a little revenge there, uh, you know, show, show his old team that he messed up. And this could be a really good spot for Wilkes to come in for a year or two, show that he can really turn around a defense. Uh, you know, he, players reportedly love him. So I would be happy to have that, you know, he get a chance here in Atlanta to, to revamp the defense and then be right back on the market as a head coaching candidate in a year or two. And I think that would work out well for the Falcons who maybe could take that time to groom their own guy, like a Frank Bush to potentially be their future there, or, or just to get the, the defense in a position where these top candidates would, would be more likely to take the job. Um, because right now, we all know it. The Falcons defense is talent poor and it's not all that enticing for a top uh, candidate to come into, right? I mean, it, it needs a lot of work. It, there's a certain amount of risk involved with that, right? Like if you if you whiff on your free agents and you whiff on your draft picks, they're now inheriting a, a talent poor defense and that might hurt their image. So 
Um, However, the the counterpoint that I would make to that is that the Falcons have a lot of cap space. The, mm-hmm. the Falcons do have all of their draft picks. You could entice a defensive coordinator in here by saying, hey, we have this open space. You can build this defense in your image a lot quicker than you could, you know, with another franchise where, you know, you have more cap constraints, for example. So, you know, maybe it would be very tempting for one of these big name defensive coordinators to come here and, you know, to be able to bring in their own free agent players, to be able to, you know, maybe if the team promises to, to draft, uh, you know, a defensive player in the first round, they'll be able to uh, have a big hand in selecting who that player is, for example. So, you know, also the idea that this defense will be completely yours because Arthur Smith isn't going to be involved in any of the defensive decisions. So, you know, that, and uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure that Arthur Blank will spare no expense uh, for regarding financials yeah, for whoever yeah. is brought in. So, you know, that's th- this could be a very enticing job despite the fact that this defense is a bit star for talent, like the resources are there. Yeah, I think it's sort of like the best of the rest job. Like, obviously, Philadelphia, San Francisco, uh, those are going to be the prime spots where any coordinator would be jumping up and down to get into those spots because, I mean, it, it's just a ticket to a head coaching job. Uh, with how good those units are. So, you know, Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryan, it's it's just a pipeline for these guys. Um, so that those, it, the Falcons can't compete with those openings, but, you know, Minnesota, a lot of pressure there, um, not a lot of money to work with. You know, Miami is one, but, you know, that's another, there's, there's other stuff going on there. Um, you know, Carolina potentially has the better talent, but much, much worse off in terms of your, you know, ability to go out and, and add pieces. So it, it there's pros and cons to all the jobs. I think the Falcons job is one of the mid range ones. I don't think it's likely to get the top guys, but I think a discerning coordinator looking to make a jump to head coach, looking to really put their have independence, like you said, Adnan, and, and have an opportunity to really show that they can build something, not just inherit something. Um, this is a good opportunity for that. I think if you turn around a defense like the Falcons, it, it's a big accolade, a big thing to add to your resume. And teams are going to really like that uh, on a head coaching resume. So I um, think it makes a lot of sense for Steve Wilkes to consider this job. Could bring Al Holcomb with him as, as you know, the Fa- I think the Falcons like their linebackers coach and Frank Bush, but Holcomb could come in as like a co-DC or something like that. Um, and red get, you know, a run game coordinator or whatever. Because uh, those two seem like they like to work together. Um, and you don't necessarily have to push Frank Bush off, you know, his spot, or maybe you promote Frank Bush and make Al Holcomb the linebackers coach, who knows. But um, I do think it's it's a situation worth monitoring, and, and Wilkes is, an, is one of the names I would have near the top of my list right in that tier with Fangio and Flores uh, in terms of the best possible hires for this team. So, And, and you and robbed also, the Panthers of him, which is nice too. So, Yeah, also the Falcons play in a very shitty division, like let's be honest though. <laughs> The Buccaneers offense isn't going to look very inspired next year, I'm pretty sure. You know, the Saints offense looks rather disjointed since uh, since Sean Payton left. And, you know, that's a, that's a very funny situation happening with Sean Payton right now where I'm pretty sure the Saints were very much counting on them getting multiple picks, including a first-rounder for Payton. I'm pretty sure that they were expecting that when they made that trade for Olave last offseason. 
And, you know, now it looks like he may go back to TV uh, because uh, it seems like the openings aren't really there. The, the jobs that he covets aren't really there. And he's not even getting any second interviews anywhere. So, you know, that's sort of destroying the Saints leverage and it's kind of killing some of their plans. And, you know, it's not uh, it's not surprising at all that they had such a short sighted plan with, with that. <laughs> um but you know that's that's very fun. And next off season, if he is a candidate, then I'm pretty sure that they won't have the leverage to look for 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 the picks that they are looking for. I think the the rumor was that they wanted two firsts, like yep. two seconds, and like eight million dollars or something like that. Which is, you know, that's that's what you pay to get Lamar Jackson or yeah. damn near. Um, but yeah, that's that's neither here nor there. And then you have the Panthers, Wilkes's what would be Wilkes's former team, who will also be in a transitional period with a brand new head coach who, you know, don't exactly have you know, that's not a team screaming with talent. So this is a scenario where the Falcons could turn it around. Uh, you know, there's not any supreme juggernauts uh, of offenses that they'll probably have to face next offseason and you know, if you if you work if you work some magic with this defense and even get them up to the teens and they're successful, then you know he could Wilkes could find himself as a head coaching candidate or any defensive coordinator that they bring in could you know get some head coaching interviews uh, next off season. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how that develops, but I do like the idea of Wilkes coming here for sure. And um, we did have a couple of donations come in. Off the air, we did just have one come in from Universe with the $5. Thank you so much, Universe. I didn't see a question, uh, so if you do have a question, just notate it in the chat, and I'll make sure to get to it, uh, Universe, in case it just didn't come through right on my end. Um, But thank you very much for the donation. Um, On the topic of the coaching search, uh, Gary Stafford with the $20. Thank you so much, Gary, man. Really appreciate that. Uh, He says, how much of a setback is the loss of Dean Pease? Do you guys think we need to get a a similar scheme in here to fit the players that he recruited? It's a good question. Um, I do think the loss of Dean Pease is is significant. It, It really depends on who they bring in to replace him. I mean, I think Dean Pease's experience is so valuable. I think he's just such an important guy in building this team his experience, his his leadership um, was invaluable, and we're, we're going to miss that. But I, I think if the Falcons go out and get a really good defensive coordinator in here, then the loss won't be as – it won't be as noticeable. Um, it's not going to be the same as Pease, but it, I think you could mitigate it quite a bit and potentially even improve on Pease if you get one of these up-and-coming guys. But um, the bigger question – is like the second part of that, which is, do we need to to run a similar scheme to fit the players that are here now? And I think that is much more worthy of discussion. Adnan, what do you think about that? I mean, um, it seems like they they brought it, they were starting to move more towards a 3-4 defense. But again, I think they emphasize that they have hybrid personnel. So maybe it's not as big a deal as some think. Where, where do you sort of land on that? Uh, no, I don't think that this defense is a, a finished product by any means. Like if this defense was you know, in a similar mold uh, as, let's say, the 49ers defense where you have uh, a bunch of these guys who are your long-term cornerstones and who, you know, are signed in long-term and whatnot, then, yeah, uh, that, that would be one thing. But this defense, you know, we just mentioned it. 
there's a lot of resources out there for whoever the next defensive coordinator is to bring in some of his own guys to fit his own scheme. Um, and also there's not really that many pieces on this defense whom you would consider really like, you know, long-term franchise cornerstones. Like, you know, Grady Jarrett is there, of course, uh, AJ Terrell, uh, jury's still out on, on both of the safeties. Um, yeah, you hope Arnold Ebicady and some of these guys that you took in the draft last year, but you know, there's not really these players here where it's like, all right, you have to like, you know, fit the scheme to them. It's more so like, all right, like I would rather bring in, you know, a good deep, uh, the best possible defensive coordinator and let him sort of mold the team in his own, in, in his own image especially since the team has has those resources. And, you know, what exactly are you tearing apart here? Uh, you know, a defensive finish in the bottom five each of the past two seasons. Um, I don't think that's that much. of And, you know, Grady Jarrett can play in multiple schemes. AJ Terrell can play in multiple schemes. The guys who are here long-term can play in multiple schemes. Yeah, exactly. I think they've sort of set this up to be a hybrid defense. And I think, their edge rushers are definitely more of the three, four mold, but you know, it, you, you move a guy, you know, slightly differently and it's a four, three under. So it's really like, I, I think the distinction between three, four and four, three has never mattered like less in the NFL than it, than it does these days. Um, it's really just, they're about to spend, right. They're about to, to take the plunge and you need, and at that point you're probably going to have to commit more to your philosophy up front, the types of guys you're really going to prioritize. But in terms of what they already have, I think it's pretty easy to make it work either way because I think with AJ Terrell, you have a scheme versatile cornerback one who can do a little bit of everything. I really think they should play Terrell more in man coverage because I think he's an excellent man coverage corner, but they've played him a lot in zone. He's gotten a lot better at it over the last two years. Um, so if you want to stick with a zone heavy coverage scheme, that's fine too. Um, they have a lot of flexibility at their other cornerback spots, right? They could decide to keep Casey Hayward if they think he's going to be back healthy. They could go for a cornerback high in the draft or in free agency. And and based on the guy they get for the number two corner, that's going to tell us a lot about the sort of scheme that they want to run on the back end. You mentioned safety too. You know, we, we've talked up Jesse Bates a lot on this show. And Jesse Bates is another guy that's pretty much scheme versatile. You can play him as the deep, you know, single high guy. You can play him up near the line of scrimmage. It doesn't really matter. He's that good. He can do it all. So um, I do think, yeah, and Joe Schmo brings up a good point as well, that if they change schemes, they may need to change a lot of the verbiage. They may need to do a completely new install this offseason. And that takes time. It takes, you know, it, it does, it, it's an adjustment period for the defensive players. Um, so, you know, we'll see how, how similar it ends up being in the long run, but I, I don't think they should limit themselves in the coaching search to get a specific type of guy necessarily, uh, at this point in the process, just get the best guy you can for the most part. Um, all right. Um, before we transition into our senior bowl shrine bowl talk here, uh, do you need a list of the guys? that are going on on. I don't know if you had that already, but I can uh, send yeah. you one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just message it to you real quick. Shout out to, uh, Alex Katzen, by the way, for doing a great, uh, spreadsheet tracking all these invites and the guys that have showed up that are going. Yeah, um, uh, I pulled it up on, uh, 
No, never mind. Never mind. All right, I got it. <laughs> yeah, this one might be easier to like sort. Um, he does a great job with like sorting it. The ones that are in bold are the ones that are like officially coming uh, to both games. Um, so I'll let you take a look at that for a minute while I give everyone an update on the state of the podcast. For those that didn't tune into the Q and A last night um, or that aren't on the Discord, the news with the podcast is if you followed SB Nation Vox Media over the last you know three or five days, you've heard about all the layoffs. I'm sure uh, it's hit. A lot of the SB Nation sites, uh, I believe pretty much all of the soccer and hockey were eliminated, which sucks because there were a lot of great people working there. They've also eliminated almost all of the podcasts, including almost all of the NFL podcasts, including this podcast. Um, Not the video show, but the podcast Vox will no longer be publishing or supporting. We're still working through what that means, other than that I'm not going to get paid for it, right? Um, (laughs) That we'll figure out. Uh, The podcast is not going anywhere. We're going to continue to do the show. We're going to continue making podcast episodes. The question is, are we going to be able to use the original podcast feed, or are we going to have to make a new one? We don't know that yet. I think it would be rude of them to take the podcast feed away if they're not going to use it. Like, it's just going to be dead. So I'm hoping we'll be able to continue publishing all the the episodes in the feed that you guys already have on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff. If not, we'll make a new feed and it won't be a big deal. We'll give you guys plenty of warning for that as the last day they're going to officially support the podcast is March 1st. So we will keep you guys updated, but I did want you guys to know that there may be a change to the podcast feed. We may need to make a new one, Um, but one way or another, the show will continue. The podcast will continue with us here at the Falcoholic. Uh, if we have to secure our own advertising, we will, uh, if we have to secure our own funding, we will, we'll figure it out, uh, because we love doing the show for you guys. We think it fills a very, uh, important niche and, and we have a lot of fun doing it and it's, uh, I think it's good content. You know, I, I think you guys really enjoy it, so we're not going to stop doing it. We'll figure it out, but we do really appreciate everyone on Patreon. That's the Patreon's going to help a lot with the transition. So if you're interested in supporting us, you can go there, patreon.com slash Falcoholic live. Um, there's uh, you know, we'll figure it out. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's frustrating, of course, for us because the podcast has continued to grow and get better. I think, um, you know, over the past few years, and I, I applaud the work that DW, you know, did setting it up initially and getting it going, uh, DW and Gina in the early years. Um, and we're going to keep it going, whether it's here uh, on the same feed or on a new one. But the video show will be unaffected. So you'll still get all these video episodes in the same place. But uh, we just wanted to keep you keep you guys posted. And if anything else changes, you'll be the first to know. Uh, so just thank you all for your support. We appreciate that. And uh, don't need to panic. Yeah. Brandon Brass made a great comment. The Falcoholic brought to you by George Costanza. Yeah, there you go. Well, maybe we'll just, you know, George Costanza becomes the official owner of the Falcoholic. He becomes the new the new uh, owner. So, I mean, he's, he's probably already- donated enough to buy the site outright at this point. So He's already, he's yeah, he's the reason these lights are on uh, yep. in the background. Yeah, brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, come talk to me. Look, if you're, if you're a business owner, if you're out there listening right now and you want to advertise... Starting March 1st, I'm pretty sure we can advertise with whoever we want. So uh, hit me up, falcoholiclive at gmail.com, guys. Let's do this thing. Uh, yeah, we, you know. And, um, yeah, regarding regarding the podcast and anything else, well, um, you know, the most important thing is no matter, you know, what happens, you know, we, our, our team is still intact. Uh, everyone at the Falcoholic, our team, 
uh, is still committed to, you know, providing you with, uh, with the best possible, you know, Falcons coverage. We all love doing what we're doing and we'll, we'll do everything we possibly can to, uh, to continue doing so. Um, you know, whether it's on the live show or on the website, you know, this is something that Dave built in 2006, I think it was. And it's not something that we're planning on, you know, just, you know, just sort of giving away, you know, so easily, like what we're going to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. Don't worry. The content will flow uh, is the takeaway message. We will figure it out one way or another. Uh, because we enjoy doing this and, and the community we built here is too important to let slip away uh, based on outside interference. So we will uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that. If anything else changes, if anything else develops, you'll be the first to know here on the uh, the show. But uh, we just appreciate everyone's support over these over mid the many years, starting with Dave all the way back in 2006. Uh, so, yeah. And Brandon says now online you can officially get that Twizzler endorsement. So. Maybe we should have asked them for money instead of <laughs> considering how many Twizzlers they sent. You know, I think we probably just would have preferred some cash, but that was enough Twizzlers for the apocalypse, I think. So, <laughs> but uh, thanks guys so much. Uh, we got did just get a donation from Justin with the three dollars. Thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate that. He says, Any worries that the Fangio coaching tree has been getting a little exposed this year? Guys like Joe Barry, Ed Donatel, Brandon Staley. Uh, Fangio runs a very similar soft zone. You're not necessarily wrong, Justin. Like, um, the defense is very much a bend, don't break style. You know, I think it, the idea of it might frustrate more fans that don't understand Fangio's style. It's more of a coverage heavy, keep everything in front of you, uh, and then capitalize on third and long defense, uh, as opposed to a let's build up the pass rush and get after the quarterback. It's not like that. It, it's very much a coverage heavy defense. I will say that Vic Fangio has had success everywhere. He's run this defense. He's the the best proprietor of it, in my opinion. I do think Brandon Staley had some good years with the Rams, but I think as a head coach, he hasn't quite kept it at the same level. And then Joe, Joe Barry, you know, he, um, he hasn't really done a great job. He hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2013. Ed Donatel did a, quite a poor job in Minnesota. So, I think it's more about the guy running it than than there being a problem with the scheme because I think pretty much any scheme can work in the NFL unless it's like completely brain dead. But um, the personnel matters and like how the defense is called and how you utilize what you what you do I think is more important than just that the three or, or guys struggling to do it. Um, you have to be able to roll with the punches. So uh, I think you know Fangio has shown the the ability to do that pretty much everywhere he's been, but. Do you have any concern about about uh, you know the style that Fangio runs? Oh, no. no, not really. I mean, like Vic Fangio has, you know, he has too proven of a track record for me to be, you know, questioning that right now. Like, you know, schemes, you know, obviously they matter, but, uh, you know, Vic Fan, it, it, anywhere he goes, he like he just builds top ten defenses. So, I'm I'm not I'm not super worried about that. Yeah. No, me neither. I think it's pretty doable. Um, all right, let's let's get into the draft takes. I know we from the uh, from the the Discord. We have people wanting us to talk about wide receivers. We'll definitely talk about wide receivers because the Senior Bowl always has a really good wide receiver class. So does the Shrine Bowl this year. Um, that you know the NFL 
has really worked to sort of elevate the Shrine Bowl as a place for some of the top underclassmen to consider going because you guys may or may not know the Senior Bowl actually is just for seniors or for underclassmen that have graduated early. So if you're an underclassman, you can't actually go to the Senior Bowl unless you've already graduated. They do have pretty strict requirements for that. Um, so this, this, the Shrine game has sort of benefited from some of from the transition to being in Vegas and the NFL sort of supporting it. So there's some good, some better names than there used to be there. Um, but let's just, uh, we'll go position by position. Like I said, I just finished my defense stuff and we can just sort of talk about any of the guys that stand out um, at both games. Um, you want to start on the offense or defensive side, Adnan? What's your what's your uh, preference? Let's, let's go with the defense, just because I um I'm pretty sure that's where the pick is going to be. Oh yeah. well, no, not pretty sure, but you know, if I had to, <laughs> I had to pick, yeah, I'd say it all. The team will probably lean more toward the defense. Yeah, I think at eight, it's either going to be an offensive tackle or a defensive player. That's sort of my thought, or Bijan Robinson, right? but uh yeah on the defensive side you know at edge particularly at the senior bowl there's a lot of really good players i think there's two projected first rounders and a guy like isaiah foskey who i've already mocked to the team uh derrick hall from auburn and there's a good number of those sort of second tier guys as well um any of those names stand out to you uh adnan so one name that i really am intrigued in uh, regarding the senior bowl is uh one of the smaller school guys isaiah land i don't know if you've gotten a chance to really you know uh see it see any of uh what his game is about but you know last year at 19 sacks and uh was the defensive player of the year and in the fcs uh played for florida a&m so you know he's he's a bit lighter on the lighter edge, but he's someone who might, you know, I, I can see get given who the Falcons, uh, you know, took last year in the draft, someone like a, a D'Angelo Malone, who was also on the lighter side. I, I can see them going with someone like Elaine for, for that defensive line rotation, someone who's a bit more explosive, you know, he's a pretty good technician. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely, that's definitely a name that I, um, that I'm intrigued in. Another one is Keanu Benton from uh, Wisconsin, just because this team really does need a, a nose tackle still. I think we've been searching for one for God knows how long. I, I don't remember the last great nose tackle the Falcons have had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's someone who's, you know, very big, very thick. Um, someone who can really play that zero technique. Um Next to Grady Jarrett, uh, a big space eater. So you know those are those are the two guys I'll be, you know, really keeping a close eye on when it comes to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and it was sad because um, two of the top guys, Tyree Wilson and uh, Siaki Ika, pulled out due to injury. And this happens every year. You know, the top guys sometimes will just opt out of doing the Senior Bowl because they're they're pretty confident in their projection as top picks and they, they don't want to risk an injury. They don't feel like they need to prove anything else. And look with Tyree Wilson, I with Tyree Wilson, I get it. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick. So it's like, you're, you don't really need to go to the senior bowl. It's always nice, but I don't blame him. Siaki Ika, I think was more questionable because it's, a, you know, for everyone who, who likes nose tackles, go watch Siaki Ika tape because that dude is massive and, and fun to watch. But 
I do think he has more question marks to his game than some of these other guys. I don't really think he's a slam dunk first rounder. He is still getting some buzz there, but, um, you know, I, I think he would, could have benefited from a strong week, but Keanu Benton's definitely one that I really like. Um, you know, you mentioned him. Um, you also mentioned Isaiah Land, who is really quite a unique player. Like, I think he's like 210 pounds and play an edge. So very unique. Um, you know, I wonder if maybe he has to move to more of like an off ball or like a Michael Walker style role, or at least what we thought Michael Walker would be, where he's sort of a Sam linebacker um, that rushes the passer occasionally. Um, but, you know, in terms of his athleticism, just absolutely bananas player in Isaiah Land. Um, but yeah, you know, Derek Hall, like I said, another projected first rounder, Isaiah Foskey, those are the two big name guys that are sort of expected to, to dominate. And if they do, they could definitely see their, their stock go up. Um, and I know a lot of people on here are big fans of Andre Carter, uh, from army, you know, Andre Carter didn't follow up his tremendous season in 2021 with a particularly productive one this year. So I think it's an important week for him to, to sort of get his name back in the mix for like the day two Carter's sort of fallen into more of that day, early day three range. Um, so I do wonder how, how, uh, he does, because I think he's a really unique explosive player, uh, and it's going to have an opportunity to really stand out in the one-on-ones, which is sort of the meat of the senior bowl week is getting to see these guys go, go and go at each other in one-on-one drills. Um, so we can move to uh linebacker where I think the Falcons do have a pretty significant need, right? I mean, it, it depends on who they decide to bring back. It depends on how, much the uh you know how much the falcons are are willing to believe in troy anderson being ready and i think to cert- to a certain extent they will but um yeah any any linebackers you like uh going to the senior bowl on on oh uh, ivan pace uh from cincinnati i think yep. i think he was on desmond Ritter's team mm-hmm. yeah yep. right he was um uh actually i don't think he was because i think he just transferred in let me okay. double check that um because I think he might have been from Miami of Ohio. Because I just did his write up today. Uh, so yeah, I, we're uh, we're we're all about the Fox here. At yeah. The yes. So uh, Ivan Pace Jr. was at Miami of Ohio through 2021. He transferred to Cincinnati this year. Um, yeah. So did so not you, overlap with Ritter, unfortunately. Okay. But yeah, that you know we could have a nice Cincinnati quota where we take a, a Bearcat every single year. Um, but uh, yeah, he was. Unanimous All American, twenty-one and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, you know, ten sacks this season. He's someone who can get, uh, you know, he can get into the backfield. Uh, you know, very, very good bull rush technique, a good, good pass rusher. So, you know, that's something that the Falcons have been lacking for years, and you know, as evidenced by the fact that they have the fewest, by far, the fewest sacks in the NFL over the past two years. So that's that's the biggest name. Uh, that that I'm looking out for. I don't think, you know, m- maybe we'll see if he if he's there, you know, on day two for the team. But you know, that's that's the biggest name. That's the biggest name that I'll be looking at at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I I do really like Ivan Pace. I think that's a good a good one for sure. Um, and I think for me, um, the big the big names to watch definitely include I- Ivan Pace. I think I would also go for a guy like uh like Brandon Brass brought it up uh DeMarvion Overshone uh a very interesting guy right like 64224 kind of reminds me of Kyle Hamilton uh he's a former safety 
um you know that's someone that we really wanted last year too yeah so he's obviously someone who's going to be have a lot of eyes on him as a guy that like if he really shows out could see his he's sort of like a early day three sort of guy based on his athletic traits right now but if he show if he like has a great week that's a guy that could definitely see his stock rise it's not hard to see that um henry 2020 uh from alabama you know i i definitely he's definitely the top linebacker there now um at this point so he's another guy right uh really athletic linebacker great in coverage um could could be someone that that does make a, a sort of solidify himself as a top player um the secondary is probably an underrated one right for the falcons i think a lot of folks are pretty obsessed with the uh, idea that the falcons <laughs> george is throwing me off here with this stetson bennett at eight donation thanks george for that one. <laughs> stetson bennett at eight because you can't teach winning thanks george uh appreciate that one <laughs> i'm looking up uh your other donation right now by the way um but the secondary I think it is like a sneaky need, right? I think a cornerback too, if they don't bring back uh, Casey Hayward, maybe maybe even if they do bring him back, it's still a big need. Um, and then at safety, you know, Richie Grant, I think is someone they're going to want to build around and, and hope that he continues to develop. But like Jalen Hawkins, sort of just an average starter. Um, maybe they go after a big free agent, but, you know, there are certainly some safeties to consider too. Are there any guys you like in the secondary, Adnan? Um. What about Julius Brents from Kansas mm-hmm. State? You know, it's someone who literally has all the physical tools you could ask for at the position. Because, you know, I think like you said, I think that's a sneaky need, you know, the second cornerback position. I think they will keep Casey Hayward, but I don't really like the depth the team has a cornerback, honestly. Like, you know, Hayward and Terrell are fine, but I think this team could definitely stand to add another possible impact cornerback um for sure especially if they are going with uh they do get someone like like a Vic Fangio who likes to play with more more than two corners at a time I think his base defense his base alignment is having you know three cornerbacks out there um so that's that's someone who who I'll keep an eye out on as well six foot four uh you know very aggressive you know very physical uh, you know, fast and physical. We're going with that day back in the day, but you know that's that's definitely that's definitely someone to watch out for as well. Yeah, no, I I think uh, that one makes a lot of sense. He definitely did remind me of like, oh, this is like a guy Dan Quinn would just love. Like you could you just feel it. Uh, like great cover three corner, huge. Um, you know, another guy in a similar mold is like a JL Skinner, the safety from Boise State, another six four safety. He's going to have a lot of eyes on him as a result. Um, we did see Jordan Battle drop out of the Senior Bowl. He was one of the top guys. But in his place came Christopher Smith from Georgia. So we got a dog to watch. Uh, oh, Christopher dog. Smith. Hey, we need He's to good. fill the quota, Kevin. We need at least two dogs. Yeah, at least two dogs. Uh, is that like I need at least three starters? You know, I need at least two dogs. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got four starters. Four in that, starters. In that job, technically. We did. So Maybe he should say that more. Yeah. Yeah, shit. Make, make some more. Yeah, Arthur. Like, you know, give some more ultimatums out there. Like, yeah, what are we doing out here? Yeah. You know, we need three star. We got four starters that draft. We did, so maybe he should put that out there more often. But yeah, I mean, Christopher Smith from Georgia. Uh, all jokes aside, probably the top safety there now. Uh, I think he's like a fringe first rounder. 
just a really good player. Uh, Jamie Robinson from Florida State, amazing name. Love that. Um, and there's there are some good corners. Like I think we were kind of spoiled by last year's uh, DB class at the Senior Bowl. You know, and De- Devon Witherspoon at corner pulled out as well, and that was a guy that I would have loved to see because he I think he would have just run circles around everyone. But um, there are still some good players like Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford. If the Falcons go to more of a man heavy scheme i think he could be in play on day two um rajon Wright, amazing name uh you know i I, he's also a good player (laughs) not just if i say they have an amazing name it's usually because i also think they're a good player but um there's some talent there for sure um and i I, i'm excited to see these dbs because this is a good opportunity for us to segue into the offensive side there's a lot of very good wide receivers out there um and these dbs are going to have their hands full with uh, quite a few dynamic wide receivers. Um, any, you know, I, I don't know how big of a fan you are of the Falcons taking a wide receiver, depending on the time of the draft. But what do you think about this uh, this group going to the Senior Bowl? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be against taking a wide receiver. Um, I'm on record saying that I think what they have at wide receiver is fine, especially if they get an extra. Uh, get a, another free agent like an Alan Lazard. I, I keep harping on his name over and over again. I think that would be the perfect addition uh, for this team as that, you know, number three option. But, you know, let's say that, for example, they decide not to, uh, not to re-sign Demir Bird, which I personally, I would bring back Demir Bird. I, I like what he brought. Um, a very underrated name, Andre Iosivas? I think it's Yosivas. Yos, uh, my apologies. I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea either, but it's a very yeah. cool name for sure. Yeah, very cool name. A uh, very smart player on account of the fact that he well, went to Princeton. Yep. Um, and, you know, someone who ran track, a, a big six foot three wide receiver who ran track. He could run a legitimate four, uh, 4.2 uh, 40 time at a senior day. Um, that's, that's a name where I'm pretty sure he will shoot up draft boards if, if he does indeed run that 4.2, but six foot three and a four and a four two forty. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think it gets, it, it gets any better than that. That's someone that can really take the top off, uh, take the top off, a, off a defense, um, and play in that, uh, Demir bird type role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Yosevis is is the easy one to pick, right? I think he's the one that's got the shot to be like the Christian Watson of this year. Like Christian Watson, sort of. I mean, North Dakota State, not exactly a small school, but not you know Division One like FBS power conference team. So sort of a non-power five prospect, great size, great athleticism that has an opportunity to really vault themselves into like the day two, even maybe late round one conversation, similar to a Christian Watson. I don't think Yosevus is quite as good as, uh, you know, Christian Watson was coming out, but very intriguing nonetheless. Um, I know that I know uh, Rishi Rice is obviously the big name um, that definitely late first round, early second round type of guy. Do it all receiver limited route tree right now, but I actually think he's a really good route runner. I think it's just SMU didn't have him running a lot of routes. Um, so I, I really like Rasheed Rice. He's someone that I've mocked to the Falcons in the second if he were to, ha- if he were to fall. Um, so like that, I mean, there's just so many good 
players. I know uh, Xavier Hutchinson has a lot of fans from Iowa State. Um, I like Puka Nakua a lot from BYU. Uh, another like size, height, speed guy. Uh, missed half the season due to injury. So I think he, if he had played the whole season, probably be thought of a lot higher in draft rankings at this point. Um, and then, of course, the uh, Jaden Reed is another one of my draft crushes, a you know smaller, shiftier type of wide receiver, a guy that can do a lot in the short passing game, also has the deep speed. Um, and then uh, Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. Uh, to This is a guy that did play with Desmond Ritter officially. Uh, I looked it up. Um, had a couple of years with Ritter really sort of had hit a good season this year. Definitely sort of a, a mid to late day three guy, but the Falcons are looking for a slot receiver that Ritter's comfortable with uh, Trey Tucker would be a great option there. Um, just a really strong class as always. I feel like the senior bowl always has a really good wide receiver class. Um, and this is a good up. Op- it's a good place to evaluate wide receivers um, because they get a lot of one-on-one opportunities against good defensive backs that not all of these guys had a chance some of these guys just cooked, you know, D2 DBs. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is a chance to see what they can do against some top, tough competition. Um, running back, sort of the opposite of wide receiver in that it's really hard to actually evaluate running backs at the senior bowl because it's not full contact. Sort of the same as like OTAs. Uh, like you don't really get full contact. You don't really get a lot of tackling. So it's hard for running backs, particularly like the, the physical ones like Tyler Algier at the senior bowl probably wouldn't have been very impressive, uh, for instance, but the fast shifty guys can still look good. Um, I don't think it's a primary need for the Falcons, but it's something that I think they'll consider, uh, any running backs catch your eye in this class on uh, Honestly, I would rather the team not drop team for any, unless you're, unless they really fall in love with B. John Robinson. Um, and, and uh, you know, in the first round, and they're like, all right, this is our guy. This guy is going to be, you know, the next great thing. Um, I'm fine with with rolling, you know, giving Tyler Algier those touches, having Cordero Patterson spell him, and then, uh, you know, you have Caleb Huntley there as well. But, you know, if, if, I, if I do, if I will give a name, maybe Bijan's teammate at Texas, Rashawn Johnson, um, who, you know, he was sort of, I don't want to say the, you know, I don't want to say either the thunder or the lightning because Bijan was both, um, but you know he's he uh, he's someone who who had an impressive season in Texas. Uh, man, the, the Longhorns really had a hell of a running back duo out there in uh, in Austin. But you know that's that's the name. But oh, honestly, overall, I'll be I'll be disappointed if the team takes a running back in general. Yeah, I think I think on day three. I mean, if it's not Bijan, then I think it has to be a day three guy, but especially like late, because they have those two sevenths, I feel like you can always sort of squeeze in a running back there. If, you, if there's a guy you really like and you want to keep, you don't want to risk him in undrafted free agency, you know, you could throw a seventh at a guy, but um, guys always fall too, so that's part of it. But um, I definitely do like Rashawn Johnson, like you said. Um, you know, I can't, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia, you know, I think. Uh, Yep. That's uh that, that would help build the dog quarter, but I don't think McIntosh is gonna go really that late. No, I don't think so. He's gonna be earlier, I imagine. Um, you know, Ty J Spears is a guy I like too, but again, he's probably gonna be like an early day three sort of guy. So we'll see. Uh but I, I don't think that's gonna be a primary need for them. Um 
where I think there's going to be more attention paid, of course, is the offensive line class, which is actually really good this year. Um, You know, at offensive tackle, they've got a couple of guys that could potentially challenge for the first round, like uh, Dewan Jones from Ohio State, sort of the headliner uh darnell wright from tennessee has some some fans any any offensive tackles you really like or offensive line in general um so the name that sort of sticks out is uh uh matthew bergeron from uh yeah. from syracuse from the cues is, is my good, home yeah uh, yeah i mean yeah he's uh he's up there close to where you are yep uh then you have you know, regarding interior offensive linemen, maybe someone like an Andrew Voorhees from uh, from USC. Uh, is, you know, it's it, it's a it's a name to consider. Honestly, I would not, and I know I'm I may get killed for this because the team really does need uh, defensive players. But and this isn't you know any uh, senior bowl talk. But if the team ends up taking Peter Skoransky with pick number eight. I would not be against that pick at all. Like that's the best offensive lineman in the draft. And that would be Jake Matthews heir apparent. You could play him at guard to start out. And then, you know, when the time comes for, for Matthews to transition away from the Falcons, he he's, you have a left tackle already ready to, to take over the reins. Um, but, you know, I, I get it. If people kill me for that, for that no, take, no. because, you know the team has taken offensive linemen in the first round already. Uh, they haven't really hit on any of those edges. I know that everyone wants that edge pick, like a Miles Murphy. But if the name picked is Skoransky uh, on draft night, I'm pretty sure that's going to make the Falcons draft party, you know, kind of sad. But the Falcons draft party was sad when uh, when the team announced the Chris Lindstrom pick as well. So I would not be against that pick at all. Regarding the senior bowl, someone like a Matthew Bergeron, if if they don't go the route of Skoransky in the first yeah. round. No, because I, I think Bergeron could be there at the top of the second. The same with like uh, Jalen Duncan uh, from Maryland, who who definitely has been rising up the board as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree at all with the idea of taking an offensive tackle at eight. I think it's definitely on the table because I think there's an excellent chance that the top offensive tackle is there at eight and they might be picking from like the third edge or the two, the second or third defensive tackle, the top corner might be gone too. So it's just, for me, it's not going to be Skaronsky. I, I definitely like Skaronsky, but I think Skaronsky is a guard Um, that the length is a concern and some tackles have been able to overcome that, you know, like Rayshon Slater is a great example of that. Um, but I'm a pair or I haven't decided between Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones yet. I, those guys are going to be in contention for OT one for me. Um, I just think, dog quota. yeah, it would definitely help, help the dog quota if they went with Broderick Johnson. But I think those guys are the much more typical prototype size that you look for with a premium offensive line pick. I think Skaronsky's tape is very good. He's very technically sound, but I don't know that he gives you the, the pop that you're looking for from like a top 10 pick on the offensive line. Um, And I do wonder if he's just a guard in the NFL, um, which is not a bad thing. It's just not something you draft at eight, but I do think, um, you know, Paris Johnson, for example, before he was left tackle, he was left guard and was elite at it and then moved to left tackle and he was elite there. And that could very similar to what you said with Skronsky 
could be the path for for Paris Johnson. Either the team moves on from McGarry and you slot him in at right tackle, or you franchise tag McGarry and see what happens there, and he plays left guard this year. If McGarry has another great season, then maybe you kick Paris Johnson out to, to left tackle in a year or two when, when Matthews is ready to hang him up, and then you find another left guard because it's much easier. Uh, you know, So I do think, to me, I lean a little bit more towards guys like uh, Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones at eight, but I do think Skaronski is just a really good offensive lineman. So it's hard to be too upset with that. Just the size, he's, you know, rumored to be under 300 and has short and relatively short arms. So it's just, uh, it's tough for me to slot that into the top 10, but he's going to go high uh, just because the tape is so good. So, um, yeah, and uh, to answer George's question in the chat, um, yes, I'm drinking ginger ale tonight. Yes. Where's your, like, bold? Where's the bold ginger ale? (laughs) No bold tonight. That's my soda of choice. I don't really, I'm not a huge soda drinker, but when I do, I I tend to lean ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that. Um, Yeah. George, by the way, George is at $1,902. He wanted to know if he'd crested the 2000 mark. George, you are at $1,902 with 318 total donations. So, uh, big props to George for single handedly funding the show. Um, Corey Carter, by the way, you're in second, uh, and Ray Moon is in third. So I keep you guys posted on that. Uh, maybe we'll make a little widget for that too. You guys, so we can track the top donators. Um, give you guys the props. Uh, but yeah, George wanted, George was reminding us that if he had placed his bet uh, on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, he would have won you know about fifty two thousand dollars off of that. So Come uh, on, <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Like it, it could happen. Would've... Yeah, it really could. So that's it's sad. Um, Brandon, you are 12th, I think it's all really close though. Like other than George sort of like far and away, number one, uh, like I would say like what seven through like 20 are all within like 50 bucks of each other. So it's all pretty close. Um, (laughs) make it a competition. You know, I don't want to like do it like that. You know, I just wanted to like give people a shout out, you know? Um, so Let's see here. Next position. Uh, we talked about, I didn't talk about my interior guys, I guess, because I think offensive tackle is much more likely to be the first round selection. But like, you know, my my son, John Michael Schmitz, he will be there. Uh, top center prospect. Elusigan uh, Uluwatimi uh, from Michigan, another good center prospect. He will be there. Um, Adnan mentioned Andrew Voorhees. There's Osiris Torrance as well. Uh uh, it's a good guard class. It's a good center group. Um, so I think, I think it's uh, it's going to be a good group on the offensive line. And I think this, the we talked about. It. I mean, I think the edge group on the defensive side of the ball is really good. But I think the interior group is a little bit lacking. You know, other than like a Keanu Benton, I think Zach Pickens is interesting. But like this is a chance for this offensive line group could actually be the one that dominates. It's usually the other way around at the senior bowl where the defensive line has really taken them to town. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops, but uh, I'm not super interested in the quarterbacks. Cause I just don't think the Falcons are going to be in on drafting a day three quarterback, which is sort of where the, the senior bowl quarterbacks come in. And then at tight end, I mean, uh, I, I just, I think they're pretty much, if they bring back like Michael Pruitt, um, and Parker Hesse's an exclusive rights free agent, so he'll be back. I don't really think there's a need really for another 
tight end. So I don't know if there's any guys you want to mention in that group, but I'm not I'm not paying as much attention to those position groups because I just think they're sort of no. lower on the list. No, I'm not, I'm in the same boat. I'm not for drafting a tight end, running back, or quarterback, honestly, in this draft. Yeah, I think like a like Josh Wiley or whatever from Cincinnati um, makes a lot of sense because of his history with Ritter, but he's probably a late day three, like undrafted type of guy that you could probably get then for, for camp competition and see if he catches on. But, um, you know, with like, with basically the, the emergence of Michael Pruitt, you already got Kyle Pitts, Parker has, he's a perfectly good blocking tight end and they, they still have, you know, the man, the myth, Felipe Franks, and also, uh, John Fitzpatrick, who didn't even play this year. They have all those guys in there to compete. They'll probably, they've got some undrafted sort of guys too. So I think they're, yeah, I know Darnell Washington has been mocked to the Falcons too. And I guess he's the one that I could sort of see, honestly, um, because he's so unique and sort of fits what the Falcons like to do so well. You know, Darnell Washington's basically like a sixth offensive lineman that's just also a really good pass catching tight end, um, a really unique player. I mean, it's like, how much is he like that valuable as a tight end too, where you would take him? early on day two that's the question really he's also not going to the senior bowl that's why we're not really bringing him up but i do think that like this is a team that would probably consider darnell washington because of how frequently they use multiple tight end sets i mean it's like a it's a core part of the offense having two tight ends on the field so the falcons are probably more likely than a lot of teams to consider darnell washington Um, but the falcons don't take any dogs yeah that's right you know no dogs allowed we have to get two dogs now. Yeah. The the, t- the Falcons don't like champions. That's what it is. They don't like winning. You know, they are allergic to winning. So <laughs> we also we got one more donation from George uh, with the $5. Thank you so much, George. He says uh, Jacksonville Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53 champions book it. Uh, or excuse me, Super Bowl 58 champions, not 53. We've already had 53 triggered. Um, <laughs> but uh, this time I won't be stopped from making the Falcoholic rich for the draft. I think the Rosen trade is going to keep San Francisco from getting that first that they want for Lance. I think they'll hold on to him, but I'd offer a second and a four for him. Yeah. I mean, um, you're going to, you'll get good odds on Jacksonville. Uh, so if you want to do that swing for the fences bet, I think that's a good one to put it on. Uh, cause you're not going to get good Eagles odds next year. That, that ship has kind of sailed, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, and you're not wrong. I, I do think the 49ers probably want a first for Lance, and I don't think anyone's going to offer that. Um, so it really is just like, you know, if I was them, I wouldn't trade Lance, but who knows what they're going to do. Um, like, are you that confident in Brock Purdy? You know, like that you're going to get rid of the guy you trade three firsts for? Well, you know, spent three firsts on, traded two firsts. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't. Purdy won <laughs> so. the Super Bowl this year. He'll He'll become a he'll become an instant legend in California. Oh yeah, I mean it it could happen, right? So, um, my man Alex Katzen's like coming into the Senior Bowl list and adding players like as we speak. Um, so I guess as of tonight, uh, Malik Cunningham, quarterback from Lewis from Louisville, has been added to the roster. Uh, Grant Dubose, the wide receiver from Charlotte, uh, maybe some more coming as well. So stay tuned. It looks like we might get a few more names added here late um shout out to alex katzen by the way at, at alex katzen for this uh 
for this uh, spreadsheet. It's it's doing doing wonders for us here on the show, uh, and for my own research personally. But uh, yeah, Adnan, any any other players you want to hit on? I mean, I think we covered a lot of the big guys. I mean, I know at the Shrine Bowl, there's like Zay Flowers, who I know has a lot of fans here. Um, you know, Catrell Clark at, at corner. Um, there's not as many big names there, so. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we we covered a lot of ground tonight, honestly. Yeah, there's a guy named Juice Scruggs, which is maybe the best offensive line name I've ever heard. I mean, he's he's put, he's up there with John Michael Schmitz in offensive line names. Um, so I feel like I have to look into this man now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think um, I think this is a good class. It's gonna be a good one. Um, you guys already know based on the fundraiser, I imagine, but uh, I will be down there in person. The practices will be starting on Tuesday of uh, next week. So that's when you guys will be getting the takes. Uh, we'll be having live shows every single practice uh, immediately following to, to recap stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we'll do a, a wrap-up show at the end of Senior Bowl as well. I'm hoping to get some more great guests uh, when I, when I uh, link up with guys down there once again. And uh, it's going to be some tremendous content. So look forward to that uh, as well. We did get uh, just another, one more donation here from Jason Gaines for the $2. Thank you so much, Jason. Uh, he says, I do not want the Falcons to draft Clemson defensive end Miles Murphy because the track record for Clemson edge pass rushers is terrible. Uh, draft busts that range from Gaines, Adams, Vic Beasley, Kevin Dodd, Cleveland Farrell. It would be a dumb high draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I... They're not the helmet. Yeah, you, you, you have to. I mean, you're not wrong that there has been an exceptionally bad track record for Clemson players, but Vic Beasley, I'll, I'll continue to say this, Vic Beasley, it wasn't a talent issue. Um, it was a want-to issue with Vic Beasley. You, you saw in 2016 that that man had the talent to be an elite NFL pass rusher. He just didn't have the want to. Um, Clayton Farrell was way overdrafted. Everyone knew no it. Um, yeah. It was, and same with Kevin Dodd. I mean, um, I think a lot of people were like questioning why he was such an early picks and Cleveland Farrell was expected to be like a late first rounder. Um, maybe, or, you know, early second rounder. The Raiders just drafted him early. So it's, and then they put these insane expectations on him too. So it, um, you know, Miles Murphy is a better player than Cleveland Farrell for sure. He's a much better player than Kevin Dodd. I would say he's a more well-rounded player than Vic Beasley as well. Um, so I, I do think Miles Murphy is well worth the eighth overall pick. I doubt he'll be there as a result, but um, I do think Miles Murphy is much more of the polished, ready-to-go player than any of the other Clemson pass rushers of late. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him too. Um, yeah, Shaq Lawson as well. But again, Shaq Lawson... I don't think any of these guys were as good as uh, Miles Murphy is or as well-rounded. Um, so, you know, scout the player, not the helmet. That's what we always say, and and I maintain that. Um, you just have to remember, like, Clemson's defense, it, it asks these guys to play gap control. It asks guys to be really slow and calculated and not give up the edge and, and play the run first. Um, and that's fine, but it does limit the production and the pass rushing exposure that these guys get. And I think it, that probably contributes to why they're, some of them are late bloomers. So, um, you know, see, 
Uh, yeah, you know, Dustin Black mentions Brian Brzee as well. That's another one. You know, doesn't have a lot of production. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, we could wrap up, though. I think we're pretty much ready to go here uh, for our Senior Bowl preview. I think we covered pretty much everything we need to uh, before I let Anand get get out of here. Uh, I want to remind folks to like and subscribe. Leave us that five-star review on, on the podcast platforms as long as we still have them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we really appreciate everyone for watching. Thanks to my co-host, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way for joining us. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here, Adnan? Uh, Tyler Algier Rookie Review article. I think that'll go sometime this week. Absolutely. Check that stuff out, guys. And I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Like I said, uh, stay tuned for all the Senior Bowl previews. They'll be coming out over the weekend into next week uh, with the final ones publishing Monday. And then Tuesday, we start the live coverage of the Senior Bowl. So look forward to that, guys. I will keep you posted with any thing that I hear will keep you uh, stick close to the falcoholic.com for all the latest on the defensive coordinator search and more uh, until then guys, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic live uh, early next week in mobile until then. Thank you all so much for your donations, for your support. And we will see you next time on the Falcoholic live. Have a great night folks. Thanks guys.